On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Shreds Jinx. This is Tall Can Audio. We're not here to take part, we're here to take over. Nice to be back in the garden, eh? Hello, everybody. Welcome inside episode 834 of the Tall Can Audio podcast. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. I hope you'll subscribe wherever you're listening right now. I am fired up. We got a great show today. We got big news to deliver and really... Really big news, actually, the more I think about this. We, we, this is going to be awesome. Uh, pleased to be joined, as ever, by someone who is, I don't know, looks like rapidly, you know, maybe still in denial, but creeping into their Leafs fandom, a woman who I saw recently liking a tweet from Grandma Dubis, Michaela Schreider okay. is here. How's it going today, How- how dare you? How dare you <laughs> criticize me liking Grandma Dubis? Because Grandma Dubis is a saint. And she she is is team agnostic. Uh, she she, she is transcends so team. She she transcends teams. You can like her no matter what because she's awesome. Um, for those who aren't aware, Kyle Dubas's grandmother is uh, is a prominent figure on Leafs Twitter, and Michaela will try and tell you apparently beyond Leafs Twitter. But uh, I think you're just getting pulled into the wake here a little bit. We got big news to talk about. I think I know the answer to this already, but I'll ask it anyway, just in case I'm wrong and you've decided to slip something in. You sipping on anything today? I, I'm being super boring and and going with an athletic brewing yeah. uh-huh. uh, beer, the non-alcoholic one. And, and we will, yeah, we'll talk about why. Yes, we we'll will. Talk, I have a good reason. For sure. So what do you got uh, from the athletic brewing company today? Oh, I'm going with their, uh, I think it's a rundown pale. It's their, uh, their, Hang on, actually, I don't know what it is. They don't say. That's weird. It's the blue can. <laughs> okay. Having the blue You know, the blue can. <laughs> not the gross blue one, not the Labatt blue one, but the uh No, no, no. no. <laughs> it's this is their oh here it is. Um Run Wild? It doesn't see it. Yeah, it doesn't say oh, it's an IPA. It's an okay. IPA. All right. Sorry. I just couldn't find it. Um it's uh yeah, this I finished there. It's their yellow can that was a Pilsner. I always thought yeah. the blue can was the uh, the Pilsner, but yeah, it's a non-alcoholic IPA, which I've had on the show before. And I've, yeah. I'll say, it, I said it before. I'll say it again. Um, you know, if you have to go with a non-alcoholic beer, it's, it's actually got some decent flavor. Uh, yeah. You've mentioned that and that it like, it, it's not one of these kind of poser non-alcoholic beers kind of thing where you're, you know, you're just not feeling it. This is uh this has got some beer taste to it. I'm actually, I'm going to give it a try to be honest with you. And I have no real reason I to, but I'm, cu- I'm curious. Well, let's just settle down. Cause if I'm going to admit to that, you're going to admit to your, uh, it's a blue can. There's grandma Dubas. There's a lot of things going oh, on. Oh God. Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> One thing at a time. For sure. 
Um, I am into, uh, just put in an order for the first time. We talked about it. I don't remember if it was, uh, during the Sunday show. I think it was when, um, you know, I had put the power in your hands to determine what the next brewery order was going to be. And then I, I took it away and I went back to something else. Cause you were talking about something else. Could put in an order that arrived, uh, just today from beyond the pale. And this is the nice. first time I've ever done an order from these guys. I've tried one or two things over the years, but um, throughout the pandemic in terms of doing like big orders uh, where you're trying a bunch of their stuff, this would be the first time I'm hitting them up. And uh, a buddy of mine and I went in on this one together. He just lives a couple blocks away. So, you know, I told him I was doing it and he put in for uh, 10 or 12. I've got 10 or 12 here. And the one we're starting with today, this is called, and I like this, it, it, it's like a book title or something. This is called Clean Cut. A Kolsch, ah. which reminds me like Michaela Schreider, a life or uh, <laughs> something That's like that. That's a boring book. Yeah, uh. <laughs> certainly the last chapter or two over the last year or so, maybe. Um, yeah, really. But like a lot That's of That's a good beer though. I, I've never tried this one, I don't think. Um, so it says, obviously, it's a Kolsch. It says clean, crisp, cold. I don't know how they know what temperature I'm keeping it at, but... Uh, they are correct. It is cold. So uh, that's what I got going on today. This is the uh, clean cut A. Kolsch from uh, Beyond the Pale. Nice. That's a good start. A good, good beer to start with from them. Nice and light. I, I really liked it. Nice 4.8. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Got a little malt right up front or something. I don't, I don't mind this. Uh, we'll see how it goes as we, uh, we move on. Look, we can't go any further into this show without getting to... Now... People who follow you on Twitter will already be aware of this, uh, but we have plenty of listeners who aren't on uh, aren't on the Twitters and um, people who've been wondering why we moved the, <laughs> maybe this is a confusing time to bring it up, why we moved the Friday morning show to Thursday morning, even though this week it's coming back to them on Friday morning. <laughs> uh, stick with us. It will be returning to Thursday morning next week, but for one week we had uh, we had some things to move around. What's going on, Screeds? There's big things happening in your world and um, that that have impacted TCA here in terms of why we moved to Thursday morning. Why don't you bring the people up to speed on what's going on? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And anybody who follows me on Twitter is probably like, geez, get to the point. We know already. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, we had to build the suspense somehow. Come on, guys. Sure. Um, yeah, so I am uh, going to be part of a show called She's Got Game on the TSN radio network. It's going to air across uh, nationally, obviously, on every TSN uh, radio station, which is Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, and Edmonton. Uh, it's going to be myself and uh, my co-host, Robin Flynn who's out of Montreal. Some of you, anybody who follows women's hockey may know her because she was very involved in the CWHL. She did play-by-play for Le Canadien and uh, she she works in radio in Montreal. She works for for the Bell Media Station there, both with TSN and I think it's CJAD yeah. or CAJD or something like that. Anyway, she's she works at it there, and and so she. Some of you may be familiar with her, and uh, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna be part of this. We're gonna be hosting this show called She's Got Game, and it's gonna focus entirely on w- women's sports. Um, and that's yeah. So that's the kind of part of the reason that uh, we had to move the show, the, the talk and audio, to Wednesday because Thursdays is actually gonna be the day that we record. Right. Uh, She's Got Game. It's gonna air for those of you who are here in Ottawa. It's going to air on Friday nights at six. So if you were familiar with the time slot of that, that's what she said. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be in that time slot, and then it'll probably re-air 
at some point throughout the weekend, I'm told, possibly Saturday morning. So that, and then, uh, just, just to make sure people are, you did want to, I, I want to hammer this home hard. TSN 1200 on Friday nights at six o'clock here in the yeah. Ottawa area is where yeah. you'll find it. The rest of the networks will all find a time that works for them. I think it, I think it's mostly going to be Saturdays right. um, across the networks. But uh, for those of you who are here in Ottawa, TSN 1200, Fridays, 6 p.m., she's got game. This is huge. And there, there's been space for this. We, we see it more and more that there's a demand for this as ratings grow. And we're going to get to that in a little while um, on another front. But as the interest in women's sports continues to grow... And, you know, almost, you know, there's a bit of a chicken and egg thing going on, right? Are the ratings growing because more people are finding it? So the shows are now getting more um, exposure or were people always going to watch? And now that there's exposure coming, you're kind of seeing that, you know, wrap itself back. You can kind of tie yourself in circles, right? It, uh, is, is the exposure growing because more people are watching or were more people always going to watch if you just put it out in front of people? We're ready for stuff like this and there's not enough of it in Canada. Um, what is kind of the premise of the show? Are we going to see interviews? Are we going to see kind of game breakdowns? Like what is, what's going to happen on She's Got Game? A little bit of everything. So I think the overall goal is just we want to cover women's sports the same way that men's sports is covered. Right. And, and, you know, you kind of alluded to it, but the, the coverage of women's sports just has not been there and whether it it's terribly kind of tied myself in knots. There. No, no, no. Like it, 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 you're absolutely right. Like people can't watch women's sports because it's never on TV. But, you know, the, the other thing is I find that oftentimes women's sports coverage um, on, on mainstream networks sometimes kind of comes across as a little condescending, a little right? Bit, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's usually talking about the growth of the game and yes. not like the breakdown of the game or, you know, how many points did Sue Bird have last night instead of like, you know, look at all she's done for women's basketball. Like, no, let's just watch her friggin' instead play. Instead of talking about that sick pass she just made, it's that, did you know she also <laughs> exactly. has two kids at home and is having to, that, you know, like these sorts of, the stories are important, but why can't we just watch the game like you would watch any other game, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's kind of part of our goal is just to to have a platform where women's sports are talked about in the same way that men's sports are talked about. And it, it's going to involve interviews. We've got a lot of great interviews already lined up that we've been kind of doing over the last few weeks. And, and part of the reason I'm not drinking tonight is because right. we're actually recording an interview um, after this. Uh, we've got two interviews lined up tonight. Um, I'll, I'll you don't tease want to be it. tuned up on the premiere episode. Yeah, I want to. I want to be a little sober for when I talk to these uh, women. Uh, one, I'll, I'll say it's a member of Canada's national women's hockey team and America's national women's okay. hockey team. Okay, so there you go. I like that. Uh, but we've we've also we've interviewed Kaylee Humphreys, uh, mm -hmm. who currently she, she she was with Bobsled Canada. She transferred to uh, Team USA, yeah, and she's that was racing a hell with of them. A story in itself. Oh man, and she talked about that with us. Like, I, admittedly, I had probably only heard a very one-sided version of sure. what happened there and, and it was not her side no um and she talked about why she left and it was like i remember my jaw was on the floor right when, when we were talking to her about this like she she was treated like absolute garbage by team canada and uh you know th there was abuse there was harassment right. um 
And that's why she transferred out. But of course, we as Canadians were like, you traitor. Of course. Uh, so so it was good to get her perspective. And, and I, I really recommend tuning into that interview. That's going to be the first episode we air, uh, which will launch. Actually, I didn't even mention the launch date. It's right. going to launch on uh, June 4th, technically. Mm-hmm. It's the weekend of June 5th. But because it's Fridays here in Ottawa, right. uh, Ottawa listeners will be able to hear it on TSN 1200 at 6 p.m. on Friday, June 4th. First so that'll be the... Nice. Nice. Yeah, uh, that'll be the Kelly Hung Freeze interview. Um, we've also talked to Natalie Spooner and Kate Burness and Rachel Holman. Um, and we've got a few other few other interviews lined up and a few other irons in the fire. So we're hoping to get some pretty good guests on in the first few weeks, especially. How does this come together? Like, uh, you know, you mentioned, obviously, when we moved nights for, for recording here, you kind of filled me in on why. Um, but obviously, this had been in the works for a while before that. How does this come together and like how are you you know how are you approached and and you know mm-hmm. when do you get to kind of sit down and decide like here's what it's going to look like and you know what's that process look like to get it up and going yeah so i have to give uh robin full credit here this she's the brains behind this she pitched uh this idea to her producers i want to say a few months ago just <laughs> this novel concept of a, a show dedicated to women's sports right. and they were obviously very interested i think they were interested in it being I don't know if if it came from her or if they wanted it to be more than just Montreal because that's where, excuse me, that's where she's based. Mm -hmm. Um, So they wanted to take it national. And I think they made a call out to other TSN networks and said, Hey, is, you know, we're looking at doing this. Is there anybody who you think would be a fit for a co-host? And uh, John Rodenberg, who you've had on the show and my boss at TSN, JR, uh, he approached me and said, Hey, would you be interested in this? And <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm kind of a big fan of women's sports. <laughs> so I was like, um, very much. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had been kind of bugging him for the last few months, like, you know, interested in doing more with the station. And, and there was some opportunities that, um, that were there to, to get more airtime. And I said, yeah, like, you know, throw anything you have my way. Cause I, I want more experience here. Sure, and yeah. so he, he approached me with this saying, Hey, would you be interested? And I was like, duh. So, uh, <laughs> we started, you know, having those conversations and, and, uh, had a few meetings just to plan things. And that's really been the last few weeks have just been the planning stages we've got. Um, you know, there's, there's more production put into this show than I've ever seen, uh, with anything I've done with TSN, like, mm. w- which is really great. I, I think that's probably because it's a national thing. Like it's not sure. just, there's only so much one station can do. Yeah. And a lot of production, like the, you know, intros, outros, and the, the hits and stuff like that come from Toronto. So they were able to do quite a bit for us. And we've actually got Jennifer Hedger, uh, oh, awesome. uh, recording our intros. Like she takes us in and out, um, Beautiful. For, for each segment, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's kind of what, what, how it, that's how we got here, I yeah. guess. <laughs> this is, this is incredible. And I, I am, I'm so thrilled for you. Like when you came and said, like, can we maybe move some things? I'm like, yes. Like, obviously we're going <laughs> to find a way to make both of these things happen. Um, cause I was fearing the worst that it was going to end with. So no more TCA and that wasn't going to be good oh, for anybody. No, of course so, not. so this is awesome. It starts June 4th on TSN 1200, June 5th, uh, across the TSN network. And as those times, you know, in those other cities as well, if you do happen to be listening from there, um, certainly if you're following Michaela on Twitter, which you should be at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. Um, but also if you're following us at Tall Can Audio, we'll make sure those times get out there. 
Um, this is awesome. Congratulations. I'm so pumped for you. I know this is the type of thing that a, we need more of and B that you are almost uniquely suited to do. And I know you're going to kill it with this. So this is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's, that's great. And then, yeah, of course I'm not leaving TCA. No, no chance. <laughs> like I said, there's nothing I'm, I'm very well suited to cover women's sports, but I'm also very well suited to drink beer and talk about yeah. sports. Nope. Never <laughs> underestimate my skill set. <laughs> no, you've made that pretty clear as we've gone here as well. So, uh, for those who missed maybe the, uh, the long weekend show had to pull shrides out of a, uh, a session to come join us and she still held it down. So <laughs> thank can, God. She can do the thing. <laughs> I was right? very nervous. <laughs> Um, we got a bunch of stuff to get to, but just breaking today, I found this really interesting because I always, I'm, I'm as interested in, at times in covering sports media as I am in, in covering sports and, uh, Naomi Osaka, who is an absolute beast on the tennis tour, put out a statement today where she's not particularly interested in speaking to the media at Roland Garros here, which I believe starts next week. Uh, I don't have that right in front of me now. I probably should have with a little more preparation. Do you have the, her exact statement there that you can pull up and, and so we can kind of read that to the audience and, and kind of break down why it is that she's decided kind of it seemingly, but maybe not if we've paid more attention over the last little while, why she suddenly doesn't want to speak to the media at this event. Yeah. So. Uh, I've got the statement here it says, Hey everyone, hope you're all doing well. I'm writing this to say, I'm not going to do any press during Roland Garros. Uh, I've often felt that people have no regard for athletes, mental health. And this rings very true. Whenever I see press conference or part, whenever I see a press conference or partake in one, we're often sat there and asked questions that we've been asked multiple times or asked questions that bring doubt into our minds. And I'm just not going to subject myself to people that doubt me. I've watched many clips of athletes breaking down after a loss in the press room. And I know you have as well. I believe that the whole situation is, I, I believe that whole situation is kicking a person while they're down. And I don't understand the reasoning behind it. Me not doing press is nothing personal to the tournament and a couple of a couple journalists have interviewed me since I was young, so I have a friendly relationship with most of them. However, if the organizers think that they can just keep saying, do press or you're going to be fined, and continue to ignore the mental health of the athletes that are the centerpiece of their cooperation, of their corporation, sorry, then I just got a laugh. Anyways, I hope the considerable amount that I get fined for this will go towards a mental health charity. <laughs> she wraps it up quite nicely. Seriously. Um there's a lot happening here and, um, it should be noted. Um, and maybe it's part of the reason why she's decided that this is the time to take this stand. She doesn't necessarily suggest that this is permanent. Um, we'll see how things go, but she's not necessarily done well at Roland Garros before. So maybe this is one distraction she thinks she could do without, um, Maybe it's just an expectation she might do poorly that she, you know, a cynic might say doesn't want to answer for. Um, there's a lot of different ways to come at this. But I've for a very long time felt like a lot of these, at least in North American kind of pro sports, a lot of these press conferences just suck. Nobody says anything. Most of the questions aren't particularly incisive. After... Um, 
I can't remember now. I brought this up with Hoff on the last show. And if you haven't had a chance, I should have probably promoted this. Uh, the last episode was episode 833. Chris Hoffley was here to talk about his, uh, this fundraiser he has going on for the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario. It has blown the hell up. Um, it's, it's huge at this point. If somehow you've missed that, check out episode 833. Um, but we talked a little bit about how after either game three or four, I can't remember, between the Oilers and Jets, the very first question being asked to Connor McDavid was by one of Edmonton's reporters. And you could tell he hadn't even given it a second thought about what he was going to ask. They go, they throw to him. His voice comes in because we're all on Zoom now. And it's like, uh, you know, after the start, you got off to and just sort of, um, how are you feeling about kind of everything that happened? And in my head, I'm like, Fuck off. Like, what? I'm not answering that either. Like, you can just see he's trying his best. He's the captain. He's trying not to. You can see it on his face. This, like, are you serious with this? What is it you're even asking me right now in the most, you know, down moment of my entire season? I, I kind of get this frustration. At the same time, the media and the exposure that they bring are part of the reason why athletes get paid what they do, um, bring a lot of attention to it. And we do run the risk of athletes now who are incredibly well paid being able to just afford the fine that's going to come every time they decide to not do this and go, yeah, it's worth it. I'm not speaking tonight and shut everything out. There's a lot happening here. I don't necessarily fault Naomi Osaka for taking this stand. If it's a one-off and, and she feels as strongly as she does, if it's going to become permanent, I'd probably have to rethink it a little bit. Kind of what did you take away from this whole thing? Yeah, this this is something that I've gone back and forth with in my mind for years. No, obviously not the Naomi Osaka sure. situation, just, just like athlete post-game interviews in general, because I used to be of the mindset and probably because I work in media relations, sure. I used to be of the mindset that like, this is part of your job. Yep. You know, like I, I have very little sympathy for someone like Marshawn Lynch who makes millions and millions of dollars to play football sitting there and saying, I'm just here. So don't get fined. Right. And admittedly now that I think there are situations where that kind of mentality is probably applicable. Like this is part of your job and, yeah. and you know, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. So maybe just do it and, and mm -hmm. respect the, the value it brings to fans and all that stuff. And having had, having watched sports for as long as I have, it is so rare unless someone says something just out of this world egregious. It is so rare that a post game and a post game interview with an athlete has given me any value. Yeah. Like I, they what say the same, especially this? hockey players. Right. They say the same thing over and over and over again. And again, on the rare occasion, and it's usually something bad yeah. on the rare occasion where someone goes off script, it usually, you know, makes headlines, yeah. but it's not for the right reasons. No. But admittedly, I never really thought of the strain it may put on on athletes, and I probably should have. Um, you know, looking back on Marshawn Lynch, how do I know he wasn't maybe dealing with something mentally that the sure. you know talking to media wasn't wasn't helpful? Right. And I think for individual sports in particular, that probably is is amplified quite a bit. Yep. And you've seen, you know, the I think it was. The Australian Open was Serena Williams, where she she lost to Osaka, I believe. That's right. And in the post game, someone asked someone asked her post match uh, press conference. Someone asked her, "Is this it?" And she, you know, 
started crying and, and walked away because you know the thought of retirement yeah. <laughs> is a little bit too much and and like she was dealing with a loss she was she was dealing with her tournament being over and now she's being asked questions about her future like that's got to really suck and mm-hmm. i i have I, I just think that i don't i i don't sit heavily on one side or the other i think there is an argument to be made that athletes having some media exposure is important for the growth of the sport but is right after a match the best time right and i think most media members would hear me say that and go absolutely that's when we're likely going to get something emotional but these athletes are so well media trained that it's very rare you get something emotional so is there is there a way we need to maybe reevaluate how we do these, I think is a, a valid question. And all that is to say, maybe this is just a one-off. Maybe she's just not feeling it right now. She's not doing well mentally. She knows that this is going to affect her mental health and affect her game. Mm-hmm. So she's not going to expose herself to that. And, and, and maybe she'll feel differently next tournament. Who knows? But I, I think it sparked an interesting discussion about, why, why do we need post-game interviews? Why, why don't we approach this a little differently? And, and like I said, I, I just don't think they provide the value that we think they do. Right. No, and it, it takes me, like, this pulls me in a bunch of places. And I think you're right when you say you don't have a strong, or I, I can't say you're right. I can say I feel similar to you <laughs> on the sense <laughs> that I don't know that I have a strong stance either way. I have gone back and forth. I do more often than not think that that before intermission interview with the hockey player is stupid. It rarely brings anything. <laughs> right. And the post games are often, I can say, I can understand why media says that post game interview is the one where we might get something the most because that's when they're emotional. Is that fair? Do you want to be accosted in your most emotional moments? And Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you're right. That probably is when they're most likely to slip up and say something crazy or not crazy, but just something that they wouldn't normally say. I don't know that that's what we should be looking for. And I think some people like to talk. I think some don't as a, as a leaf guy, I watched Kessel get ripped for like, I don't know, six, seven years in Toronto for being bad with the media. He's just awkward. He doesn't like doing yeah. it. He understands it's part of the thing. He he didn't often shy away from it. He would come and do it, but he was bad at it. He was an awkward guy. He didn't like talking to the media. He was uncomfortable doing it. And then they would rip him for being bad at it. Well, he showed up, but this is his personality, right? This isn't what he wants to be. He just understands it's part of his gig. And as time went on, it got more and more toxic because he's hearing over and over that he sucks at this and whatever, and yet still has to keep going to do it. I, I, I had no real beef with, with Phil when he would have occasionally fly off the handle and tell Dave Festchuk or whatever, this guy's such an idiot or things like that. I, if you keep busting on me, but I have to keep coming and talking to you, you're not always going to love what I have to say. I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's some. I think it's complicated, and I do think a lot of fans of most sports don't understand how intense some of these athletes and most of these athletes get in the moment. They are often unrecognizable to their friends and family at home. The The headspace that you have to get into, the mindset that you have to get into, and we see it a lot, and again, I'm probably harping too much on hockey here, but when guys cross the line... That doesn't mean that when they go home to their families or the charity work they do or whatever, it doesn't mean they're bad people. It means that 
your blood is pumping to an extent and your adrenaline is, that doesn't get you off the hook if you do something stupid on the ice, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're bad people, right? You have to get your head to a certain point where I can go out there and sacrifice my body to try and get something done either for my team or my own career as an individual or whatever it might be. And like three and a half minutes after I'm done doing that, someone's shoving in a a microphone in my face going, how do you feel? Uh, sometimes you might not like how I feel and it's now completely on me as the athlete to bite hard on my tongue to not, you know, like I, when you go to European, um, soccer games, stuff like that, the media doesn't get in the locker room. Like there's a, there's a zone that you can get them afterwards. These sorts of things, uh, the Olympics is a bad example because sometimes they get you in a really emotional time too. But again, they're not right in the locker room. They're not whatever. You do have a responsibility to go do it, but usually you've had some time to chill out, cool off a little bit. And I don't know. I, this is a complicated thing because different athletes handle it differently. Um, they're in different emotional head places when they go and do it. And then to have a microphone shoved in your face and whatever I might say in the heat of the moment is now going to frame your story that you're going to write about me tomorrow. I don't know that I really want to open myself up for your benefit for that. But I do think the money is a big thing here as athletes get richer and richer and richer and can afford to just say, no, I'll put out, I got a team that'll follow me around for my HBO 24 seven and I'll give you the documentary and the view of me that I want you to have. Um, you know, we do still need to see real independent media able to cover sports, but athletes are becoming more and more able to just go, no, I'll show you the picture I want. So it is an interesting discussion. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I'm glad you brought up the Phil Kessel example, because that's probably one of, one of the strongest examples I can think of where the media creates an incredibly toxic environment for Mm -hmm. certain players. And I realize that in some markets it's different. And I, and I know we're kind of specifically talking about the NHL here, but like, there are some markets where it just spirals, right? Player X is not okay. You know, is not comfortable doing media interviews for whatever reason, gives cold answers. Media pushes back, give, you know, writes terrible stories about him because they're pissed off that he didn't give them the soliloquy they were looking for. And then he gets more mad because they're writing crappy stuff about him. And then he's more pissy in his interviews and then it just keeps going. Right. And what good did that do for the, for Toronto? Before you know, you got Phil Kessel eating hot dogs out of the Stanley cup for Pittsburgh. uh, (laughs) (laughs) And and while you're paying his salary. Right. Right. Thanks for bringing that up. Yes, that's true. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, it, it, it is a very slippery slope and yeah. I, I maybe, maybe what we need to do is just understand when athletes don't want to be part of it. Like I get that it's important. I get that. And I mean, again, I say it's important in air quotes because it's so rare that these post game interviews give us anything, but mm-hmm. I get that, that, you know, there are writers and, and, and media people who need those little bits for their stories and that they they can turn it into something good. Yep. Um, but maybe we need to, Maybe, maybe there doesn't need to be fines. Maybe we need to just understand that there's going to be some days where an athlete is just not willing to do this. It's mm-hmm. not good for them. It's not going to help their mental state. It's not going to help their answers in that, in that situation are probably not going to help any reporter. Right. So, so maybe we just need to give athletes a little bit of breathing room. And and I know that people are going to hear this and go, Oh, woe is me athletes who make money uh, to play a sport. Well, I don't care how much you make. It doesn't shelter you from mental illness. No, <laughs> like, at all. So let's, 
Let, let's and and I'm I'm guilty of saying that exact thing not that long ago, and I I think that we all need to just reframe how we look at athletes as human beings in in situations like this. Well, I would say it all or see it all the time and and reference it like John Tortorella comes out and there was a time he was giving like two word answers to or um, Daryl Sutter was notorious for it with the LA Kings. He would come out and give like. You know, what were your thoughts on the power play tonight? It was fine. And I, I love Daryl Sutter. Right. But he's there. For that exact reason. So that he doesn't get fined. Like he's yeah. got a responsibility. At the same time, I don't want to be here. I don't see any value in this. And by forcing him to come out and do it, you've just created a spectacle and drawn more attention to the fact that, you know, he doesn't want to be there. The league's forcing him to be there. If he just hadn't spoke... You know, I, I don't know what the consequences are. Do we really care? Like, were you not able to form your own opinions on how the power play went? And, you know, you're the, the sports writer. Do up a story. It would be better if you reached out to him for comment in case. But when every single night he's sitting there giving two-word answers simply because he has to be there, at some point you just laugh at the league and go, you created this, right? Like, mm-hmm. this guy doesn't want to be here. So, um now, I'm not so sure his was mental health as much as just being that kind of guy and and whatever, but what do I know, right? So um, I, I think it's interesting, but I, I, I just think this is a fine line we're going to be walking for a little while here. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And again, it's one of those things where like, Maybe we don't need to sit on either side of the argument. No. Maybe it's a complicated Maybe it's issue. Just I think complicated. we could, we you don't have to have a yeah. strong opinion on everything, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, and I think we'll uh, we'll see how this goes. Maybe it's something as simple as you know, if you play on this tour or compete in Major League Baseball or whatever it is, you're expected to speak to the media. I don't know maybe it's different depending on your sport once a week, three times a month, something like that. doesn't necessarily have to be post game, but you make yourself available via zoom or whatever after a practice session at each tournament or whatever, where they can ask you some questions. I just don't know that it needs to be mandatory to pop out, you know, three minutes after a game and, and hit these people at their, you know, when they're at their most fired up or most disappointed or, or whatever, there's gotta be some sort of compromise that can be made. I would think. Exactly. I think it's just, you know, we need to, Re- reevaluate what it is. Just adjust, right? It's a changing world. We can all change with it a little bit. Um, speaking of things that haven't changed, once again, the Pittsburgh Penguins have found themselves eliminated from the playoffs a little earlier than some would have predicted. I think you and I talked uh, a week or two ago when things were firing up that the Penguins probably weren't going to be super pumped to see the Islanders as their opponent again. Uh, the Isles seem to have their number. But man, the Penguins just couldn't get any goaltending. It appeared to be the biggest thing in this series, don't you think? Oh yeah, and and it, it was like the opposite on the other side with Sorokin coming out of yeah. nowhere yep. and just standing up big time for the Islanders. But it it did suck because the, the Islanders did exactly what we said they would do, right? They withstood the firestorm that mm-hmm. is the Pittsburgh Penguins at times, mm-hmm. got the goaltending they needed, and then jumped on every little chance that every little mistake the the Penguins made. Mostly Tristan Jari, you know, <laughs> missed playing the puck. Um, and 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 you're right, the Penguins just didn't get goaltending. Like, I don't know, g- congratulations, Tristan Jari, on probably getting overpaid by Ottawa one day. Um, <laughs> because it really <laughs> it really seems like he's following the exact trajectory that we saw with at least at least in the last couple months mm-hmm. with Matt Murray, right? Where he came out of the gate hot and and as as most young goalies do, because no one has a book on them. Right. 
people got a book on them. People figured out that, hey, all you have to do is aim just above his glove and he's probably not going to get it. <laughs> and and next thing you know, like they're they're out in the first round yet again. It's an interesting point you make there about, um, you know, the trajectory and, and what he might be. I'm as, as anything else, I'm as tied to, would you overpay this summer? I guess my question is how much faith do you have left in this Penguins core? Would you overpay this summer to go get a goalie to make sure that whatever is left in Crosby and Malkin and Latang and, you know, Gensel and whatever else you got going on there, that it's not going to get pissed away like this, right? Like those guys only have a very few number of years left in them where they're going to be able to contend at that level and you just can't have it fall apart outside of their control, right? Would you be prepared to go and and try and (laughs) maybe... Maybe it's flurry again, um, bringing them back. Would you be prepared to go and try and grab a goalie to take one or two more runs at this if you were the Penguins? Or are you too worried that the window might already be closing and it's not worth giving up assets to do that? At this point, 100% go and do whatever you have to do to fill in the pieces around Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. Because as we saw with Crosby in particular this year, like he's still one of the oh, best yeah. in the game. Yeah. Right. He had an MVP caliber yes, season and he's 33 years old, for God's sakes. Like and then Malkin, I know he he was hurt quite a bit. But that number like it's so old because <laughs> those of us above it, it, it hurts us That's a true. little bit. <laughs> That's very true. I apologize. Um, and, and Crosby, like we, we talked about this previously on, on, on the podcast, but like athletes take care of their bodies so much better now than they did before. Mm-hmm. By that, I mean, they're not smoking darts in between shifts. <laughs> Um, and, and Crosby has the making of that exact athlete who just withstands the test of time, provided he can stay healthy, mm-hmm. um, because he takes such good care of his body. Like the guy is a freaking raw blow from parks and recreation. I don't think he's ever touched a gram of sugar. Like he's, he is so in tune your and second just straight appearance on the podcast, bringing up Rob Lowe after the nineties uh, really, documentary. Uh, <laughs> I really like Rob Lowe. I'm he is that. literally <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, he Crosby just has, he has all the makings of an athlete who can make a deep run late in his career. Right. right? And still be effective. And, and again, I know that, you know, we lost almost two years of Crosby because of concussion. Yep. So anything can happen, but You've got that, that window it's also is two much years larger. miles, not on his body, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, you know, he, and, and I think that, you know, if you want to look at silver linings, that was probably a wake up call into taking your body seriously yeah. and listening to your body. Cause we saw him come back and then leave again. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, that was the, the entire league waking up to how serious concussions can be wildly, <laughs> um, to partially, I yeah. guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, still trying to wake some people up. Yeah, yeah. But uh, all that is to say, I think this window is longer than w- maybe would be traditionally thought of for other athletes. And I think Malkin is probably very much the same. And I know he was hurt a bit this year and injuries have kind of plagued him, but he he he, he steps back into the game and doesn't miss a freaking beat. So well, I, I think Letang you go out- was after a year or two oh, of looking man. pretty rough. He was fantastic in this series. His possession numbers were off the chart. This is the best hockey he's played in a while too. So, I mean, you got to be careful not to get too tied up into short sample sizes and all these sorts of things or small sample sizes. I, I, I would be, I'd be looking for a goalie if I was them. I'm not gambling on that being a problem again next year. Cause I probably only got 
I, I don't know, we can argue about the number if you want, two or three, you know, legitimate years of, of this left. I'm not letting this happen again. I'm not letting the Tristan Jari thing happen again. Yeah. No, you're right. That's too much star power and too much money and too much legacy yeah. to rest on the shoulders of a goal, an inexperienced goalie. It worked for you twice. Mm-hmm. And I can understand why you would want to continue that. Like I, I, the Penguins struck me as a team that was just going to cycle through young goaltenders that no one had a book on right. until they won another cup. And that, that does, that does, only works for so long. Cause again, teams figure you out yeah. and, and teams figure Especially out that strategy and playoffs, also, right? Like, Someone yeah. sitting down and, and Matt picking Murray, that guy apart. Exactly. And, and, and Matt Murray had, you know, Flurry with him at least. Mark andre Flurry was, you know, he may have been riding the pine quite a bit, yeah. but he was there for mentorship. Trisha oh, yeah. Jari doesn't have that, right? So you gotta you gotta go get yourself an experienced goaltender and, and give Crosby, Malkin, and Latang the support they deserve because Jesus, like they're they're getting 35 plus shots a night. Mm-hmm. You deserve to win yep. more than two games. Freddie Anderson will be available. This, uh, I, I guess, not necessarily reliable, but I could see it. I could see it. I, I, maybe, maybe something there. Um, we are neglecting and and uh, you know, elephant in the room. We're not speaking too much about the Leafs and Habs, just because as we sit here and record this, you know, Game Five is about to start. Leafs are up three one right now. So anything that we would say would be out of date, pretty pretty much immediately. Um, but there are some other series that have wrapped up the Oilers and the Jets. Uh, Lightning and the Panthers, the Avalanche are moving on. Uh, anything else? Stand, uh, the the Bruins beat the Caps. Anything else out of those series that jumped out at you or that surprised you or you know that that's kind of caught your eye? Um, I mean, I know it's not over yet, and and we're we're getting Game Six tonight, but I I did not see Nashville being this good, yeah, yeah. or or even like. I, I saw Carolina wins, like just hanging with it. Oh, eh? Yeah. It's, it's amazing what they've been. And now I, I will say Carolina has not been their, their, they've kind of been their own worst enemy at times. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it was the game five where the, the turnovers were something like 26 to four <laughs> in like in, in favor of Carolina in terms of they had 26 turnovers. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't care how bad a team you're playing. If you turn the puck over 26 times, yep. Yeah, you're probably gonna struggle a little bit. <laughs> like it, it blows my mind. But Carolina, I, I know they're one of the best teams in the league. Mm-hmm. They're definitely one of the most entertaining. And everyone saw them, you know, walking over Nashville in three games, right? right? Like yeah, sure. this, this wasn't even this going to be beyond a sweep. Well, Nashville, a couple and, weeks before the deadline, people were circling the carcass, right? Like. Oh, yeah. uh, is Ekholm available, right? Is Arvidsson available? Um, uh, Granlund was a guy the Leafs were supposedly, you know, they were done, dead, finished, out of it, and they were going to be selling at the deadline. They were being called the Kingmakers, right? Where do they send their pieces? And then all of a sudden, they win a few in a row and go, yeah, we're just going to keep our guys and see what happens. And they end up going on a hell of a run and getting in and putting a hell of a scare right now into Carolina. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They were the, one of the worst teams in the league yep. at the, especially in the first half of the season. And I just, I, they came out of nowhere. I did not expect this. And I, and I know that Nashville previously kind of had that identity of just a team that always hangs around mm-hmm. and is always there, but this was a, di- this is a different team. That was the Barry Trotz effect. Yes. This is a different team from that, that the Islanders have taken over that identity. 
this, I can't explain this. Like I, I is Roman Yossi really that good that, you know what it <laughs> that is, this eh? is happening? It's that Senator. UC Saros. Uh, everybody uh, after games one yes. and two, when Carolina was running them out, there was talk. What is it? Porvievsky and, uh, uh, who's the other guy down? Uh, Ben Harper. Like you can, you can't win a playoff series with that as a pairing on your blue. Well, maybe you can. I like, we'll see what's going to happen down there. They said, hold my beer. Right. And the Senator said, you are welcome. No one says that in Nashville. <laughs> People hold their own beer in Nashville. You, That's very you true. You keep her very That's close very to you. I, I think the, the one that, that obviously caught me, I, I picked the Oilers in six to beat Winnipeg. <sighs> um, I don't know that I'm shocked that Winnipeg won. A lot of people did say Winnipeg, you know, in the playoffs, maybe it's that kind of lineup, these sorts of things. And I'm willing to entertain that. I'm stunned. It was in four in a row. I cannot believe that. Me neither. And I talked on this show. I said that Edmonton would win in five. Right. (laughs) I was so sure that Winnipeg, just the way they were playing in the last, geez, the last half of the season, but the last, you know, 10, 12 games in particular, they were awful. Yes, they were. They were so bad. And I, I don't know what happened. I did someone on, I think it was the Steve Dangle podcast. They said this was the closest sweep they've ever seen because like how many games went to overtime was two or three games went to overtime. Right. And okay. I, I get that. But like, Jesus Christ, man, how, how on earth do you have Connor McFreaking David yeah. on your team? And this is the, this is your playoff run. This is your playoff attempt. I just, Oh man, I feel bad for Speaking Connor. McFreaking. only having so many of these runs in you, right? They're not, he's not going to put up with this forever. No, no. And, and you know, they, they, they need to start, I'd say building around him. Mm-hmm. I know <laughs> they've idea. tried. And they would tell you that, they have like $25 million in cap space this year. And that's fine. Yeah. Like, if you use it wisely, you know, you could you could reshape the franchise fast here. I have no faith that they will use it wisely. I see Chris Russell getting a big raise or something. like. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Miko Koskinen contract kind of right. tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Right, that that that's how they spend their money. And this, the problem with Edmonton, and and we saw Wayne Gretzky oh, step down from this his role. A long list. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But we, we saw Wayne Gretzky step down from his role a couple of days after they lost, or I think the next day after they lost. Edmonton is the classic example of this stupid league just recycling the same thirty-two dudes yep. over and over and over again because that's basically what they've done with their management team. For I don't know how long. Every every member of their management team is some sort of old boys club from the former days of the Oilers, the champion, whatever. Yep. Paul Coffey was Clearly. in there. Gretz was in there. Kevin Lowe, Craig McTavish over the years. Like it's cycled through in a pretty big way. Like, And haven't we learned from certain organizations that maybe a fresh perspective can go a long freaking way. And I, th- I think the Leafs are a prime example of that. Like, I, look at I Kyle think Dubas. so too. Yeah, let's look at it. Let's look at him. <laughs> I hate this. This is, this is the worst. <laughs> I hate saying this, but, but it's true. Like he is a progressive GM who is willing to adapt and very forward thinking and dynamic. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need right now. And, and I'd use the examples of, of uh, Steve Eiserman and um, Joe Sackick. And I realized that they are also former dudes, players <laughs> and former dudes, <laughs> but they are part them and Kyle Dubas are kind of part of this new wave of GM mm-hmm. that didn't play 
in the seventies and sees the game for what it is. Right. Right. The game, with all due respect to Wayne Gretzky, the game isn't what it was in the eighties. Right. No. And, and all these dudes who are running Edmonton, they played in a very different time or were involved heavily in hockey in a very different time. And the problem is they don't, open this organization doesn't open their mind up to something a little bit different. And somehow they have fallen ass backwards into the best player of our generation and they are wasting (laughs) him. And it is tragic. Yeah, no. And you're you're right. Like I, it's, it's been hilarious to me to watch this series and know that it's being this, this Leafs Hab series, as you brought up Dubas and know that this is being ruined for your uncle by William Nylander carrying the load for this team. Over and over and over, it was, Kyle's got to trade Willie for that second pair penalty kill defenseman or whatever <laughs> it is. Just throw him away, give it up, we don't like this style. And he withstood it and stayed in there and just kept his guy. This is my vision, this is how it's going to go. Now, I don't think anyone is expecting a goal per game in the playoffs is sustainable for anyone. But for right now, he's carrying that second line and getting it done. And that's because Kyle stood up and said, no, this is my vision for this. And he's done it so many times. We all, we all had a good laugh about the idea that the Leafs fixed Alex Gelchenyuk, right? Maybe game four is the only impact game that Alex Gelchenyuk ever has as a Leaf, but he put up three points in that game and like was brilliant in helping get that win. Maybe that was enough, right? Justin Hall was a scrap heap guy in the ECHL that Kyle Dubas said, I see something there. I want to do something with that. He saw Jack Campbell as being more than what he was currently being used as, right? He sees these things and he's willing to take a chance. He's willing to invest in development and and just get as much skill in there. Because there's been a bunch, of the, a bunch of them that don't work out. Nick Batan didn't work out. Lindholm didn't work out. Like there's been, an, it happens. But you're going to keep throwing darts at the wall and some of them will stick and some of them won't. And that's the way this has to be. The Edmonton Oilers with $25 million in cap space this year, don't go out and take a big stupid swing at some washed up, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll pay Freddie. I don't know. Maybe they'll give him $7 million to come out to Edmonton or whatever it's going to be. I don't know. But you got to find pieces that are going to fit within your structure, right? Within what you already have going on. And that's something that Sackick has done very well. That's something that Iserman does incredibly well. And quite frankly, something that Kyle's done pretty well. It's just, this is what we do. And this is going to fit our system. And we're going to give it a look. That's what the Oilers need. They need to invest and find a direction, right? Like, Yeah. That's just it. They need a system. They need yeah. to figure out what their system is yes. because first of all, you can't waste a player like Connor McDavid, but also you can't, you can't just haphazardly put together teams, No, right? You need an identity. You need a system so that you know what you're looking for. It's like having a strategic plan. Yes. If you don't map out how you're going to get there, you're never going to get there. And that's, I think that's what we've seen with the Oilers. So I, I, I sympathize with Oilers fans, man. Like, this sucks and it's yep. got to suck watching the greatest player of our generation just rot. It sucks for all of us, in, honestly. And I, I, I shouldn't say rot because like the dude had 105 points yeah, in 56 so. games this year. Like he is, he is doing things that are just unbelievable, yeah. but 
he's out in the first round. Yep. And we are all robbed of Connor McDavid further in the playoffs. That's the, the real tragedy here. Well, and to circle back to our conversation on Sunday night about officiating and, and the way the game is called, McDavid and Dreisaitl are out. Crosby and Malkin are out. Ovechkin is out in favor of the Islanders, in favor of the Jets, like, I'm sorry, who don't have these. I don't know. I think you're you're robbing your fans of something if this is the if you're not gonna def- this needs to be done more like the NBA right in terms of make sure your stars are always in position to be carrying your biggest games at the biggest times of the year so um, just for the sake of the uh, the audience because um, you know by the time this gets posted it will likely already be over so for their entertainment only are the Leafs finishing this in Game Five? I mean, you saw what I did to the Oilers, right? Do you really want me to answer this question? I don't know, man. Don't hurt Grandma Dubas. Oh, no, I can't do it to her. Um, I mean, it, it, I nothing I say is going to matter right now because it's going to be shrouded in in jinx. Sure. And and the people the people who are listening to this already know the outcome, so they're yep. going to laugh at me. I mean, I, I think they do. I, I, I think the Leafs are too. finishing this. In five, the, the the Habs are, they just have not, they've scored four goals in four games. They've matched William Nylander's yes. total for God's <laughs> sakes. Like you're not going to win games against the Toronto Maple Leafs by only scoring one goal. Nope. And as we've seen, there is only so much Carey Price can do. Yes. And he, he and hasn't doing all of terrible. It. No, he's been doing exactly. every bit I, I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you just looked at the stats alone, it looks like this guy's getting lit up, right? 5-1, 4 nothing. Yeah. I know one of those was an empty net goal, yeah. but still, it like, he has looked pretty good at times, but again, the Leafs are just wearing him down. Yeah. And, and they figure it out. I will give them this. Like, you could tell they had studied some tape because at the first two goals in game four were basically identical, both yes. of which fed by, by Alex Galchenyuk, right? They got price moving side to side, quick pass which across I, the other I side. And I someone's said, just standing remember, right there. I said, when you get him moving around quick, he overshoots it just a little bit. And you did say that. I did say that. So I'm with you. They should win it tonight. Montreal just in the third period of game four looked pretty dejected, right? I assume they'll come yeah. out and put up a fight, but I, I think this is probably done. And if it's not, buckle up. We'll go back for game six. There'll be fans in the building for Montreal. Things go wrong there. Now we're having that Leaf thing conversation again. But uh, I do think the Leafs have looked better. Um, you know, I'm willing, like you said, to throw out game one a little bit based on what had happened in, in the first period there with Tavares. And uh, good to see him skating again today, even if it was just out for a twirl. Um, obviously good to see... But for the rest of that series, the Leafs have looked like the the better team. So uh, maybe before we get out of here, what's happening in the WNBA? The sick bay starting to overflow a little bit, um, but people are watching. It's been a kind of a crazy week for news in the WNBA, but man, people are going down all over the place. Honest to God. And I, I again, I'm such a jinx. Never take <laughs> sports advice from me. Like if I tell you something, bet the opposite because it will probably happen. Um I've, I've a few people who have been trying to get into the WNBA have asked me like, who should I cheer for? And and the de facto team, aside from my Seattle storm, obviously um, I usually say the Phoenix Mercury because they've got Kia nurse. They've got Diana Taurasi. They're one of the, they haven't won a championship since 2014. But that 
yeah, like to me, I'm following her, right? Like she's the Canadian yeah. star. And, so and a lot of Canadians are yeah. doing that. And yeah. also, uh, a, no, Minnesota has a couple other Canadians. But, you know, if you're following Kia Nurse's career yeah. or, and, and wherever she goes, Phoenix is, is you know, prime, prime spot for you. Diana Taurasi's out for four weeks with a fractured sternum. Ugh. Like, like, just, ugh. Yeah, you can't clear your so throat. Painful. You can't cough. You can't ugh. move. You can't do it. Like, good Lord. This is the upper body version of a groin injury. Yes. It affects everything. You yep. always feel it. Yep. So she's out for four weeks. Natasha Howard is out with an MCL sprain at four to six weeks. Elena Deladon, Washington Mystic star, is out with a back injury. She's been out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, she also was out last season because she has Lyme disease and was like, I no way I'm playing during a global <laughs> pandemic. So we've been robbed of Elena Deladon for a long time. Candace Parker, who I talked about a few weeks ago, um, part of a big trade from uh, Las Vegas to Chicago, going home to Chicago, had a great start to the season. She's out with an ankle injury. Uh, Allie Quigley out with a hamstring. Amanda Zahubi, I'm going to pronounce that wrong, but <laughs> Zahubi. Uh, she's out with a back injury. Brianna, Bria Hartley is out with a knee injury. It the list just yeah. keeps going with freaking injuries. And I, I get that this is kind of, this is usually what you do see in any sport, like a week or two in people start to get injured. Sure. This is, but it seems like a lot of high profile, you know, you look at Diana Taurasi, Elena Deladon, Candace Parker alone, a lot of high profile right. um, athletes are going down with big injuries. So it's, uh, I, I apologize to anybody who I said, Hey, go cheer for the Phoenix Mercury. <laughs> and they lost their star player for four weeks. <laughs> Well, it's so like typical to almost anything where, you know, we're going to talk about these numbers a little bit. The ratings continue to be up, up, up across the NBA or WNBA, obviously, um, on, on both sides of the border. Like they've been talking up here in Canada too. It's, it's on the rise and it's, it couldn't be more Murphy's law where, as soon as everyone's looking, you're like, by the way, here's all your stars getting hurt at the same time. Oh, like it's, it, it's rough, but why don't like, tell us a little bit about, uh, we just got another dump of numbers here. Um, just in the last day or so, like people are all over this right now and, and like ratings are through the roof. It's a classic, classic example of if you build it, they will come. <laughs> and I think, I think I talked about last week. I think I think the numbers have been released uh, for Canada at that point, but viewership for Canada of the WNBA is up three hundred and twenty five percent. That's just like nuts. what the actual and and think about the fact that it is not broadcast as widely here as it is in the no. states because I don't I, I I have league pass so I honestly don't know where in Canada you watch it if you don't have cable. Yeah, occasionally think, it like, falls on like TSN five or something or like, yeah, you you, you got to look for it right like. You gotta look for it, and and again, like I'll I'll beat this horse till it's dead. Um, you have to make sports easy to stumble upon, and there's the WNBA is still not easy to stumble upon, and yet we're still seeing these numbers increase. So in Canada, it's up 325. percent This week, we learned that ratings overall for the WNBA in the states are up by 74 percent from last year and 45 percent from 2019. Right now, last year, overall for the year. We also saw a jump 68% from the previous year. So, you know, the trajectory is just increasing and increasing and increasing. And again, this is all, I, I talked about this before. There's a hundred, just over 190 WNBA games and only a hundred of them are broadcast. Right. So almost half of these games are still not broadcast. And yet we're still seeing these increases. So 
I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier in the show is a chicken or egg situation, you know, is, are people not watching because they can't find it right. or, you know, are, are, can they not find it because no one's watching and no right. one will put it on TV? Right. We know the answer now. Yeah. Right. The Megan Rapino said something about this a few weeks ago when she was at the white house, she said, you know, we've seen what women's sports are capable of in spite of discrimination and lack of access to resources and funding and, and, uh, coverage. Imagine what would happen if they were given all those things. Yeah. And I know it's, it's slowly increasing, but it's not enough. Like the, these numbers speak for themselves. There are people watching, there is money here. There is investments to be made and to, and, and returns to be had. Invest in women, man. Like, yeah. look at these numbers. I can't, I cannot stress this enough. These numbers don't lie. 74% from last year, viewership has increased at the WNBA. We had this conversation a couple weeks ago, and I wondered if part of it had to do with the the social movement that the WNBA was at the forefront of last summer. Um, there's no way to know if that had any impact or not. Is there anything more, and, you know, I, I'm sorry if this comes off as a stupid question. Is there... Mm-hmm. Beyond just the fact that it's on more and there's some growth here and, and, you know, maybe it's grassroots, maybe it's word of, is there anything more to like, this isn't just growth. This is explosion. When you talk about 300% in Canada, when you talk about even 75% growth in the United States, that's huge. The WNBA isn't new. Like it's been around and people have known about it, but it hasn't been so readily available. Why do you think is it just the availability or is there more happening here that has helped to drive these numbers so rapidly? Like this is incredible growth year over year. I, that's a good question. I honestly don't know. I think, I think it's probably a mixture of things. I think one, and we talked about this last year when that 68% increase number was released. The last year was one of the first years the WMEA was more widely available on yeah. TV. Yep. Yeah. So I think that was, oh, okay, people were, again, difficult to stumble upon, but they were at least easy, they were able to find it when they were looking for it. Right. And I think that just having it there and, and, and making it accessible to those looking for it, it, it obviously got more people watching. And then as more people watching, they tell more people to watch. Oh, you got to check this out. This is awesome. This is wildly entertaining. And then they watch. And then, you know, that just snowballs into next year. Like I, I found the hype heading into this season of the WNBA. And again, it was probably because I was looking for it more, but I, I've never seen this much hype around yeah. the WNBA in my life. And I, I think that it was probably a bit of a snowball effect from that. I think the social justice thing certainly has, plays a role, right? Like they, they, they were very active. Um, and you know, they were one of the first leagues to have players widely take a knee for the anthem Mm -hmm. after Colin Kaepernick did it. And they got, they got zero coverage for it and they got reprimanded as a result. Right now, last year, the league very much bought in, which they hadn't before. And I think because the, social justice movements in sports were much more across the board last year. It wasn't just one single player. It was, it was entire teams. It was entire leagues shutting down for the night. Mm -hmm. I think that was just created a perfect storm of people being like, Oh yeah, the the WNBA is doing this too. Like people were looking for it. Yeah. And I think that helped want to get on side with, right. These are people. support, And And there are going to be people who don't watch the WNBA because of that. And there are people who don't watch the NBA anymore because of that. And that's, Quite yeah. honestly, fine. See yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about like that. Th- th- I think the WNBA made a very conscious decision and said, 
we don't want those people yep. watching our sport. They're probably not going to be watching to begin with. Um, let's be, let's call a spade a spade. Sure. The, the fans of, of women's sports don't exactly coincide with those who are pissed off at yeah, Colin Kaepernick there is for a taking a name. Ideological line, right? That yeah. uh, for some reason seems to transect both race and gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny that, but uh, yeah. And it still happens, man. Of like I've, it does. I've got even like people our age, I've, I've got friends from college who make fun of me for watching the WNBA or, or who will make fun of Josh for watching the WNBA. And I'm like, what are you doing? Right. Like, like it, w- with no other, no other reasoning other than, Oh, it's the WNBA. Right. It's, okay. Your point. <laughs> like, like what other than you're sexist, what are the reasons you're giving me for making fun of this sport? Right. Right. Like I, I tweeted this earlier uh, this week, but you know, when, when people say I don't like X women's sport, their problem is not with the sport. No. That's, right. You're right. It, when someone says I don't like women's basketball, they're probably not talking about the basketball part of it. Yeah. If you had to specify the gender of which you don't like, right? Like that's exactly, that's the part that we need to focus in on if that's your problem. And, and so, yeah, if you're a, you know, I, I, I was a long time coming around on, if I'm being honest at the beginning when women got into MMA, now some of the, like, those are some of the best fights on the card. And I look forward to them as much as anything else. I like mixed martial arts, men, mm-hmm. women, whatever. Let's see a good fight here. Um, you know, I, I, I defer to you on the WNBA, but I defer to I'd defer to you on the NBA. Right? Like I, yeah. I don't know. I'm not a basketball guy. So you're right. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, people are just having, um, those sorts of people aren't really the target audience anyway. So you don't worry about it. I mean, it's annoying, but you don't, I'm not ever going to win you over. So I'm not going to waste time trying to win you over to come follow me to exactly. WNBA or whatever it might be. But, but these numbers this year are off the charts and, to the point where like you, you don't have a choice, but to stand up and take notice and go just for business sake, I need to get more of this on my network right now. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's, it's an investment at this point. There's clearly money to be made here. Even in the most cynical sense, like I just want more ratings. Well, this is getting ratings. Like, yeah. And that's where I think where, where businesses start to get involved and sponsors start to get involved heavily, like obviously there are sponsors with the WNBA, that is where the growth can can skyrocket, right? Because then the money is there. Yep. And then you know, you're then expansion happens and you've got more teams and more roster spots. Like we talked about the fact that there aren't enough roster spots in the WNBA mm-hmm. because there's only 12 teams and there there are so many more talented basketball players who don't have a place to play because there aren't enough spots. So as, as these numbers start to, to increase, continue to increase and people start to see this, I'm really glad it's being reported at the, the rate that it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's when you're going to start to see more and more businesses invest, more sponsors come on. And then, you know, with money comes growth, even more growth. Um, before we get out of here, then let's hit it one more time because, uh, you will be back once more before this thing premieres, but let's get it in people's heads. Let's make sure people are looking for it. The new show debuts in Ottawa on June 4th and across the rest of the country. It looks like on June 5th, but tell us about it once more. 
Absolutely. So it is called She's Got Game, focusing entirely on women's sports. You can hear it across the TSN radio network. Uh, We'll be on TSN 1200 Fridays at 6 p.m. for those of you who are in the Ottawa area. And you can also just check out uh, the TSN website for or TSN 1200's website or any of the radio websites for the clip online, the show online to find out where it's airing in your area mm-hmm. in your network uh, myself and robin flynn each week will feature interviews with uh, prominent female athletes as well as just analysis of of various uh women's sports across the across the board probably exposing me to more sports that i haven't really <laughs> paid attention to like you Simone Biles last week oh my god good that woman is super good lord if you haven't seen it for yourself, just punch it into YouTube. Simone, like it's incredible what uh, what she pulled off. So I got uh, dizzy walking up the stairs. So. <laughs> Honestly, um, so we will, of course, bump that again next uh, next week when Michaela's back on the show, um, because uh, at that point it will be right upon us. But uh, this will be, I won't say the final, but most like we're we're moving to Thursday mornings next week pretty permanently. Um, that's going to make things a little easier for uh, for Screeds as she's getting that show ready. Uh, we will be back to a Wednesday night recording and a Thursday morning release next week. And that will be, you know, for the overwhelming majority of the time, what we do. So when you're looking for Michaela on TCA, that's when you'll find her is on Thursday mornings moving forward. Uh, we had to do a little bit of tinkering this week, but uh, the, the Thursday morning will become the regular thing moving on. So pumped for you, Michaela. This is going to be an awesome show. Can't wait to uh, to hear the first episode. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm very excited as well. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, we will get out of here on that note. I'm very excited for an upcoming hockey game, so I need to wrap this up in time for me to be able to uh, edit before that game starts. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Audio, and I hope you'll subscribe to the show if you're enjoying this. Wherever you're listening right now, there'll be a follow button, there'll be a subscribe button. It's a little different on whatever app you're listening to. Uh, they all have a different name for it, but uh, you'll find it. You'll know what it means, and uh, just go ahead and hit that. Uh, Michaela is on Twitter and Instagram at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. If you want to find some of her craft beer takes and pictures, she's on Instagram there, at Crafted in the Capital. We'll get out of here on that note and catch you on the next episode of Talk and Audio. Shrides Jinx. Did you see that? Yep. There's an hour you're never getting back. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f*** he wants. Okay, I'm going to call that a wrap. You can find tons more TCA at tallcanaudio.com. Ba-dum-bum.